Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Looking back at the first day of the second Test match, I hope you enjoyed that extra little bit of commentary on our intro there, celebrating three brilliant England victories. But I don't think this one's going to be an England victory somehow, Simon. Doesn't look like it, does it? It felt like a big toss to win for India and they made the most of it. And the first day pitch in Chennai offering far more than the first day pitch did for the first Test match. I mean, some quite lethal deliveries and lethal turn and bounce at times, which just shows you how brilliantly uh, Rohit Sharma played. What a magnificent innings that was. His seventh Test 100, all of them at home, 161. And if he's not man of the match, I'll be very surprised. If he's not man of the match, then we're in for something absolutely incredible in the rest of this game. I suppose it's possible one of the spinners could take 16 wickets or something like that. But that, to me, that innings... Just like Joe Root's double hundred in the first test seems to have set up a strong possibility of an Indian victory. Just 231 balls for those 161. And it was an innings of, I suppose, two phases. Uh, The attacking early phase and then some really clever manipulation of the ball and the bowlers and the field in the second session as well. And 65% of the runs when he was out, 161 out of 248 which shows his dominance. And I think just a sublime innings, uh, something that only players of the top draw can actually produce. The skill, the range of shots, the audacity at times, the control. I think it, you know there is one thing about him. He's a bit of a numbers man, isn't he? He blocks a couple, and then you almost know after he's blocked a couple that he's going to try something. But he's so good that uh, he gets away with it. And I suppose also, he'd be remembered, Rohit Sharma, as, as someone who was a fantastic player in one-day cricket with a, a number of double hundreds, never mind 
a string of single hundreds. Never quite delivered in test cricket consistently, I'd say, even though he's averaging 90-odd, or was averaging 90-odd as, as an opener in test cricket. But you felt never really quite delivered to his talent. But when you get innings like this, potentially match-winning innings, then you, you have to hand it to him. One of the remarkable things about Rohit Sharma is he's, he's such a class player and he produces an innings like he did today. This is only his 36th test match and he's 33 years of age. I mean, the problem he had uh, towards the start of his career was that, you know, that, that middle order was bunged up because that's where he started. It was bunged up, with, you know, chock full of Indian talent and also not many opportunities at the top of the order as well. He made his white ball debut. Back in 2007, he didn't make his test debut until 2013. He's been around an awfully long time, but he's not been able to, to flourish, to thrive in test cricket. But we certainly saw the, the upside of his game uh, today. Just just wonderful batting. 80 not out off 78 deliveries at lunch in 106 for three. I mean, that's, that's breathtaking batting. And, you know, at the same time, there's Coley out for naught, Gill out for naught, Pajara out to a decent delivery from Leach caught at slip for 21. And there he was going on, you know, scoring freely, uh, taking the England bowling apart. Just brilliant, breathtaking batting. And, uh, you know, you just have to acknowledge uh, what a you know, high-class innings it was. And, you know, he, that, it just seems so easy to him as well. It's that feel. I, mean, I was talking to Alistair Cook just off air, and he was saying, you know, someone like Rohit, he, he, he sort of... He almost gives the impression that it's, it's which ball he wants to pick to hit for four or six. You know, you almost feel he's sort of capable of doing it most balls and over. But of course, he has to rein himself in just in case he, you know, play, gets out, plays a poor shot or whatever. But there's, you know, there's that approach of his that is just uh, it almost makes it just look so easy. It's it it seems totally unfair, doesn't it, yours? When you when you look at your first class batting or other people most people <laughs> most people's first class batting actually that someone can just go out there and make it look so easy when they're when they're on form and on song just it's pure talent it made uh, the life of both Jack Leach and Moen Ali not miserable exactly but certainly difficult both uh, well, Moen racking up a hundred uh, in his first test match for over a year I thought he bowled pretty well actually but his figures don't necessarily suggest that. 26 overs, 2 for 112, averaging 4.31 and over uh, on, on his economy rate. I mean, he did produce the ball of the day to mm. unseat Virat Kohli. <laughs> he looked like, Kohli looked like a sort of WG Grace figure, didn't he? You, you're not allowed to do that. You can't, that can't be out, possibly. You'll have to go back and bowl it again and we'll, we'll rearrange the stumps. And, it was the, an absolute gem. I'm sure Michael Vaughan was was loving it because he produced a similar delivery to bowl Sachin Tendulkar many years ago at Trent that's Bridge. Right. Yeah, that's right. It was an almost carbon copy. And it's interesting, isn't it, how those great players can still be unseated quite almost quite gratuitously by a, a classic ball, which it's it's a sucker punch that through the gate. You know, you should never be bowled through. The gate. You ask Jeffrey, you know, you should never be bowled through the gate, but. Uh, there is a the, the thing about both Vaughan and Moen's bowling is they do get that drift away from the bat, and it can make even the classiest players look silly if they then get the turn back through the gate. Uh, but, and that's what Moen brought a wicket taking delivery and that drift away. What he didn't have was really good control, but in a way, 
you had to forgive that because he's hardly played any first-class cricket for a long time. I think he played two first-class games last year. So, it, you know, man, um, time in the legs and and just being able to, to, to control yourself and, and concentrate for a whole day, it's not easy if you haven't done it recently. He was hit for 15 fours and uh, one six. I love Coley's reaction. It was a bit, I mean, there's been sort of hashtag WG Grace sort of flying around today, sort of WG Grace has been trending on social media. And the reason for that was that Coley stood there a bit like WG all those years ago, that, you know, that feeling, hold on, you, they've come to watch me bat, not you bowl. Uh, to be fair to him, I think what happened was, it, obviously, it surprised him. The mo- the, and he thought that Ben Folks might have knocked the bales off with his club, so he wasn't sure. And Folks did take the ball cleanly, quite close to the the stumps and they the umpires had a look at it just to make sure that he was bold and it wasn't just you know the the bales being knocked off and and Coley was on his way but it, it was just that sort of sense of no hold on a second I'll just put the bales back on and we'll continue the game that you know that sort of thing's not supposed to happen that was the sort of you know perceived body language I'm, I'm sure it wasn't as a batsman you just want to make absolutely sure that you are out and he was out and of course there was an incident on the last day of the last test match where the bale did fall off um, while the mm. ball was being delivered. It just fell off. I, we're not quite sure why. And we, we actually thought it was the end of the game. We thought uh, that, I think it was Ishant batting. We thought he'd hit his own wicket um, or he'd played on, but he hadn't. It was, you know, th- th- for some reason the bell fell off. Anyway, so Curly just checked it and quite rightly he was sent on his way. Dramatic moment of the day. And there were, there were quite a few of them, actually. It was a, it was a brilliant day's test cricket. It started, of course, with Ollie Stone getting rid of Gill f- for naught. So two... Ducks in the first session of the day. Stone back in the side today, second test match, and Gill padding up, and the umpire raised his finger, and the ball was hitting the top of off stump. It wasn't umpire's call. It was you know, hitting enough of off stump to have been given out, so if England reviewed it, if it had been given not out, it, it would have been out. Great start for Stone, who I thought bowled really well today. I mean, it was a day for the spinners, really, and the ball was turning prodigiously, but Stone, I thought, he, he looked really solid. Yeah, no, he did really well, actually. I mean, people would have said, well... Why didn't England play Wokes, who is still on the tour, obviously, and much more experienced? I mean, there's two reasons for that. One is that Stone does bring the extra pace, which England know they need in these conditions. And I think the other reason is that they're looking at him definitely for the ashes. They want an armoury of bowlers who bowl above 90 miles an hour. They've got Archer, they've got Wood. They definitely need another one uh, in the long term to sort of share the load and... Really, this was a great opportunity to, to play Stone in the summer in England when, when England play their test series against both New Zealand and India. You, you can imagine there's probably going to be quite often more Seamer-type attack. You know, Anderson, Broad, Wokes, those kind of bowlers. You might not play uh, the, the quick bowlers so much because you're not needing those so much. But in, in overseas conditions, definitely in Australia, someone like Stone would be valuable. So it was just like giving him... Some, some match practice, and I, I don't mean that in a uh, derogatory sense. That, you know, it's a second test of a very, very important series, but you've got to get these guys playing at some point. And in the unusual circumstances we've got at the moment where people do need a break and you're sending people home and bringing people out, it's silly to have people knocking around the squad and not playing, really. Do you think England have picked the wrong team, though? I, I say that um, not because I didn't want Ollie Stone to play or Stuart Broad to play. I mean, they're both, you know very very fine candidates to play in this test match but because when you look at the pitch today is it in fact a three spinner pitch so they left out Don Best but actually should they have played Best as well so you have Best, Moen and 
Well, I, I Jack yeah, Leach. and Leach. I mean, I argued that for the first test. I, I thought they could have played three spinners for the first test, actually, and that takes slightly the load off a young bowler like Don Bess if you've got someone else like Moen who's a bit more experienced to come in and fill in. Obviously, Joe Root has done a, a useful mm. job. In fact, Joe Root's the most economical of England's bowlers and often look the most dangerous, actually, yeah. in his eight overs. But, yeah, and it's a bit harsh on, on Don Bess, isn't it? You know, we, we talked about his performance in the last test, five wickets and 50 runs and, you know, did, did a lot of good work. He undermined it a bit with his fairly inaccurate bowling on the last day. But generally, he had a good test and should have probably deserved to, to be picked again. But Moen, I think, should also be inside in these conditions. So it was obviously a, a little bit of a, a, a toss-up between do you want Bess for his youth and exuberance or Moen for his slightly more experienced, controlled performance. And they went for Moen. Yeah, I mean, one thought that, that struck me is, that, I mean, Ben Stokes today bowled only two overs and he, he was just hobbling a bit. And so he's clearly, or it seems as if he's got some issue with the knee, although it's, you know, it's been denied uh, by his, his manager. So, no, no, he, he's absolutely fine. So Stokes could only bowl two overs. So England, it sort of felt a bit as if they were down to, to four bowlers. I mean, the only thing that I thought, if they thought that Stokes was going to struggle to bowl his quota of overs, it may be just that they didn't think tactically he was needed today. If you've got Broad and you've got Stone, you've got the two spinners and then Root doing work as well. The only thing I thought potentially they could have done is taken Dan Lawrence out of the side and so Moen comes in for Dan Lawrence. I mean, that is, it's not ideal because, you know, it leaves a problem at number three. Who do you bat at number three? Well, Ollie Pope could, could go up to three. I mean, they've tried Moen at three before, but it's asking a heck of a lot, I think, for him to come in and suddenly go in at, at number three. And England have got him down at, at number eight. So I just thought that was one thing they, they might have done. I'm not saying they should have done it. It's, it's, I think it's one of the great things, isn't it, about cricket and trying to f- build an eleven that actually you mm. always want 12 and they, <laughs> you have to make some tough decisions. So I think... Yeah, that's good. True. That's true, actually. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, we, um, we've just been putting together the uh, centenary issue of the Cricketer magazine, which comes out in March. And one of the uh, it, items in it is who is the best 11 that's ever written for the Cricketer that you could put on the field? So obviously, you know, England stars like... Uh, Jack Hobbs and Len Hutton and Fred Truman and people like that. Colin Cowdery, he wrote for the Cricketer magazine. And we ended up with a, with with 11, but slightly a bowler short. So mm. we, do we do we add a 12th as well to, to give it balance? It is so difficult. I think that's one of the intriguing things about sport with 11, especially with cricket, with 11 men. And that, that sort of odd man out always, because I suppose 10 would be... A more sensible number for a, a, a match like cricket, where you play, you bat in pairs. But the beauty of it is that you have eleven, and then you want twelve. So it's it's a. I mean, selection is such a, a, a tricky job, and you never quite know how the pitch is going to play when when you set out and stand on it. And my goodness, it, it, it's it's not going to last this pitch. I, I, I mean, it's well, it hasn't lasted already. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of looks like they've transplanted Marina Beach onto the middle of the the Chapak Stadium. It, it's yeah. so crumbly and powdery and that actually is one of the reasons why it didn't reverse swing so much today because it's not abrasive it's it's just disintegrated and therefore you don't get that sort of hard coarse uh, uh, nature of the surface which can scuff up the ball it's like plopping the ball into a sandpit and therefore it doesn't get scuffed up nearly as much 
it's it's a it's a I think it's an underprepared pitch. I think it's a poor pitch actually. It's made interesting cricket, but I think it, it does make batting a bit of a lottery. Yeah, the, I think there's that feeling that, that it could well go that way. And having said that, you, you talked about having you know 12, and there was times today when Rohit was batting, you actually want 13, 14 fielders out there. I mean, that just shows how how well he played. It was a superlative innings. Wonderful to see crowd again in Chennai. 25,000 or so people, about half full, making lots of noise, of course. Must have been strange for the England players, actually, that, because they've played best part of a year now without crowds uh, since they were back from South Africa in February last year. <laughs> I wonder how they v- responded to it, really. It must have been a nice feeling, but not many people on their side. No, no sign of the Barmy Army, of course. No, I'm sure, I'm sure any player wants to play in front of a crowd. We 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 desperately miss them. You know, even if you're playing against, uh, you know, playing away from home with a partisan home support, and when you know Rohit was going well, the noise levels were high. That's what you want as a an international player, isn't it? Any player really, you want people to think that what you're doing is worth coming to watch, and. It must have been well. It must definitely must have been good for India. Actually, I mean, I know they had support in in Australia, and there were, you know there's many people allowed in as possible there uh, to watch that Test series. So India had been used to it of late. Must have been good for England after a, a year off. I mean, they went to South Africa. There were crowds there, and they won. So it doesn't. It's not prohibitive uh, to go away and, and and not win in front of a crowd. Of course, it's not. So. I think that would have been great for them uh, today. De- definitely really good for the game. Now, what's, what wasn't really good for the game uh, today, Yoz? We're going to hear from Jack Leach talking about it in, in just a moment. That's a couple of third umpire decisions today. Now, the first one was, I, I was bemused by it. It was the stumping one where folks whipped off the bales and row it on 159, looked to be on his way. Uh, the back foot, I couldn't see any of it over the line. And that's what the third umpire, Anil Chowdhury, has to adjudicate. Is any of his foot over the line? Well, he decided it was too difficult to tell. And it's one of the problems with cricket, actually. They draw this line and then we, we put it on our you know, camera um, is it really clear? Sometimes it's not quite clear. It's not like not like goal line technology in football where it's really obvious whether the ball has gone over the line or not. And that might be the next step for cricket, actually. We have it at Wimbledon, don't we, as well, with line technology. Haven't quite got that right yet with with stumpings. Anyway, I, I didn't think you could see any of his foot over the line. And your tragedy thought it was hard to tell, presumably. So he gave uh, Rohit Sharma the benefit of uh, a very thin amount of doubt I would say so Rohit survived 159 he went on scored two more runs therefore didn't become a big incident the Rahane one where he actually England reviewed it it was inside edge onto the pad it ballooned up it flicked the glove went out to short leg England reviewed it third umber had a look at it said not out he didn't get an inside edge onto it and then didn't run it through to me that was incompetent really incompetent uh, third umpiring the, the only reason it's not a really big issue I think after uh, today's play is that Rahane was out soon afterwards bowled by Moeen for 67 but of course Jack Leach didn't get his wicket which you know must be frustrating for any spin bowler England had their review restored I mean th- this is not good enough is it I mean this is just re- I mean it's just incompetence yes that's the right word uh, certainly not uh, attempting to cheat or anything it's just inadequacy and it's uh, I think they have to have, and they do have some training for third umpires, but I think it has to be more intensive because they don't really get it, some of these third umpires. And it was obvious what England were looking for there. He didn't see that. And there's no way you should stop the pitches when the ball is halfway through and then it's going to be caught. 
uh, he, he just stopped the, the pictures as soon as the ball passed the edge of the bat and hit the pad. He decided it wasn't, there was no initial contact with the bat. And so he moved on instead of actually following the, the incident all the way through. So it, it was just sort of thoughtless and inadequate performance by the third umpire. There needs to be more, I think, more specialists doing that job. I mean, what often happens is you, you get a group of umpires, four umpires, and two go and stand in the middle, and, and the other two that are left then do third and fourth umpire, and then that changes as a series unfolds. I, I think you know, some, some of these people should be actually earmarked as specialist third umpires. In a, in a way, they might say, well... That's, that's not. It's a bit of a short, short straw, sitting in a, a a box all day, not getting out to actually umpire officially. Well, I had to sit in a truck for six years, <laughs> staring at VT, and you know it was great. And you know I sort of almost knew my my niche there. And I think third umpires will become specialists, and they'll become much faster and slicker at doing that job, which does tend to still hold up the game sometimes. And by the way, while we're on that subject, I think we really need to change that stupid rule about the ball, uh, has it gone over the rope, or rather has the fielder touched the rope uh, in, in stopping the ball going to the boundary. Just Let's just get on with the game. If the ball touches the rope, it's for whether it's in, in connect contact with the fielder or not. If it doesn't touch the rope, even if the fielder is in contact with the rope, it's not for. Anyway, I mean, that's a, a, an issue for another day. But certainly you need specialists doing that third umpire's role. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see the, the argument for that. Um, a, the other, one, one thing I would say is, though, while you were sitting in the truck, I bet you would have preferred to have been commentating. And I, so I think that the, the, the umpires... Yeah, but you know your, you know your place, don't you? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that as well. But, I mean, what I'm saying is the third umpire would like to be out in the middle umpiring. I think they accept that you, you're, you're right. There's a, there is a rotation situation. So you'll umpire a test, you'll do third umpire for a test, and you'll, then you'll go back into the middle for a test match. And you know, that, that's sort of quite economical in terms of you know the finances of the game. There's been some suggestion I've seen floated today. Adam Collins suggested that, you know they should be a sort of a group, a carbol of third umpires who you know, do all the test matches and they're perhaps I don't know based in Dubai or whatever, and they sort of third umpire from there. Um, would, would that make umpiring that attractive? Is it really? Is that really necessary though? What I would say about today's incident, it's not difficult to get that right. You just run it through and just make sure you've gone through all the protocols. I mean, they, you know, these are these are you know umpires who are at the sort of top of their their tree the top of their game you know in their their own countries and and Anil Chowdhury actually umpired the first test match and I thought was had a really excellent game anyway the the stumping is debatable you can debate about that for as long as you like and have a look at it and see whether you think it was out or not this one was just a straightforward piece of it was just a mistake it was just a big mistake unfortunately for England it didn't cost them uh, too much. Well, let's or, or they didn't get it. They didn't get a review. They didn't lose their review either, they, did they? They didn't. The no, that that was that was reinstated. Uh, the match referee uh, decided that it was fine to be reinstated. He realised. I mean, everyone realised that a mistake had been made. I'm sure Anil Chowdhury realised a mistake had been made uh, subsequently as well. And you know, he won't be feeling great about that. You know, he knows he's made a mistake. I mean, fortunately for him, it hasn't cost. A huge amount because, as I said, Rahani was out uh, straight afterwards. The man it did cost, of course, was Jack Leach. It cost him a, a test wicket. This is how he saw things afterwards. Out there, we were trying to get them to roll it through because we felt like it would come after. Um, and they they checked the LBW, which we knew wasn't out, but um, that's all right. It's um, obviously um, a mistake, and, and these things happen. Um, obviously, I would have loved another wicket, but it didn't cost us too bad, I think. 
uh, Rahane got out next over. So, um, yeah, I'm just pleased that, that he got out. It's a bit like uh, VAR today, isn't it? <laughs> um, still controversial, even though you've got the video stuff there. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. Hopefully these things um, swing to roundabouts and we, and we get a bit of luck somewhere along the way. Can you put that day into some sort of context? How, how does it feel at the end of the first day? Um, hi, Ed. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it was um, a hard-fought day. I think um, we had to be quite patient and we got a couple of wickets towards the end, which is obviously um, good. And um, with that new ball, hopefully tomorrow morning we can um, get a couple quickly and, um, yeah, get back. What do you feel about the state of the game, though, uh, with the ball doing as much as it's done on the first day? Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's definitely challenging balls on that wicket. Um, I think, as you know, you saw with Rohit Sharma and Rahane, that um, you know once you get a partnership going, and that with that older ball, um, it can get a little bit easier. So um, we have to certainly believe that we can do the same and, uh, when we come to bat. It's a first day service. It was a first day service. Does it feel like a third day pitch or a fourth day pitch? Um, well, it's my second game in India. So um, compared to the first wicket we played on, I'd say yes. Um, it, I mean, the first wicket didn't spin really for the first couple of days. So um, yeah, probably is. It's, it's probably a little bit drier and um, uh, yeah, it's obviously spinning, yeah. Well, just one final one from me. Um, having seen the way he played, do you think that you, that England will have to change their batting approach uh, when when it's their turn? That you know the feeling there might just be a ball with your name on it somewhere on the line. I think we've shown over the last three games that um, we we've been able to adapt quite well. I think um, we you know even back in Sri Lanka we were playing on some spinning wickets and. Um, yeah, I think the lads have um, adapted really well to different surfaces. So I have full belief that we, we can do that here as well. So there we go. There's uh, Jack Leach. So um, tough ahead for England, you, you feel. And firstly, they've got to get rid of Rishabh Pant, four more wickets. And then somehow they've got to cobble together uh, what India score or try to get past them if they, they possibly can. How difficult do you think that will be, Yoz? I think it'll be very difficult. Uh, the, the, the pitch is spitting and turning and bouncing. The Indian spinners are obviously uh, better than the England spinners. I mean, at least England have, have now got you know knowledge, experience of of how to bat in in these conditions, and they've got the, the the good track record of that massive score in the first test. But this is a totally different pitch. Uh, the best time to bat will be against the new ball, and after that, it, it'll be really hard. Uh, I, I guess they. They, they obviously have to look at the the brilliance of Rohit Sharma, how he batted, and the, the key to his batting was putting the bowlers under pressure, so they couldn't just rotate and bowl ball after ball in the same spot, and eventually something would do something extravagant and get a wicket. He put them under so much pressure that they ended up bowling bad balls. But pressure in a, in a calculated way, in a very controlled way. There was no outrageous hitting or anything. Pant is outrageous. But Rohit was quite controlled, uh, taking a leaf out of Joe Root's book, really. So England would have to be very positive when they eventually get to bat. But I think a score of over 300 will be very difficult to overtake.
Well, India have already got 300 runs on the ball. They're 300 for six. Pant is still there. I mean, he's the sort of the joker in the pack, if you like. I mean, he could come out and belt 70 uh, tomorrow. He's on 33 overnight. Uh, you know, he'll he'll have some luck if he does get 70 or, or 80 because that's the, the nature of the pitch. There might be a few uh, miscues along the way. But he played one magnificent shot, a reverse sweep uh, for four out of the rough. I just thought it was a thrilling stroke from Rishabh Pant. He's got that sort of, you know, he, he takes on the daring and it, it's it's that sort of situation, I think, for the batsman now. But, you know, can England uh, respond? You, you'd think it was unlikely. It sounds, I mean, people listen to this and say, oh, you're incredibly gloomy after the, the first day. India, 300 for six, you know, roll them out for 320 and get batting and, you know, overtake them. Well, perhaps that might happen. But it feels as if, it feels as if India have a, a quite firm grip of the game. And if England were to come back and you know, get right back in the match and indeed even win from here, I, th- I think it would be uh, you know one of their sort of top performances ever. Of course, they did do it in Mumbai. Uh, India were two sixty six for six after the first day under Alistair Cook, you know, ten years ago, whatever it was, and then Cook played brilliantly. Yeah, I agree. I think probably the best the plan is to, to book something to do match, on uh, Tuesday because I don't think there's uh, going to be an awful lot of again, cricket be being played by then. In the next one, two, little three, point: if England had. Uh, a man who scored 173 at number nine, <laughs> they might at least have a chance. And I'm referring to Ian Smith. And the reason I'm referring to him is because he's our guest in the Virtual Cricket Club next Thursday night. We had Stephen Finn actually last week, and the full interview is on YouTube uh, to see what he talks about. Particularly, actually, interesting talking about reverse swing. We'll have some clips of of his interview on this podcast over the next couple of days. But next Thursday, we have Ian Smith, of course, the legendary Kiwi commentator, who is holds the record for the highest score by a test match number nine, 173 in Auckland in about 1984. And I actually saw that innings. Uh, so that would come in handy. I think that's probably a bit beyond Jack Leach, who will be uh, England's number nine. But we can all hope and just pray for England having a slightly better day on the second day. We'll bring you the review of the day's play tomorrow afternoon after it's all done and dusted. You can join our club by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com. It's all in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust, World's bestcricketclub.com Ian Smith next Thursday night at 7pm live from New Zealand thanks for listening goodbye for now Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.